Good morning. I had to fight the urge to run off the stage because that's what I usually do when we finish singing. <laughs> Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. We are so glad you're here. If you are a first-time guest with us today, we want to make you feel especially welcome. Those who know our motto, help me out. No matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted, and you are loved. We say that in my classroom every morning, so it's like flashbacks <laughs> saying it up here. I feel like I should have my 19 eight-year-olds in the audience. Um, if you want to know more about who we are and what we stand for, be sure to pick up one of our brochures, which are back there. Especially check out this intersection with our core values, and you can always go to our website, recreatechurch.org. You've probably noticed that we don't pass collection plates. If you believe in what we're doing and you want to make a contribution to support our work, you can drop it in one of the tall wooden boxes, which are over there and over there. This is also where you can drop your connection cards, prayer requests, and anything else you want to get to give to us. You can also give online through the Tithely app. If you miss a Sunday or want to share a message with a friend, the Recreate Church podcast is available on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and more. Basically anywhere. Our Bible study in Daniel begins on July 12th, and the sign-up sheet is at the welcome desk. Our next movie night is July 21st, and we will be showing Overcomer. Today, Pastor Michael will be teaching from the Gospel of Mark on a glimpse of the glory of Jesus. Before I turn it over to him, I'd like to pray for us. Lord, we want to get a glimpse of your glory so we'll be inspired to share your story. Please open our hearts to your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Grace. Thank you so much for being willing when I sprung that right on you to give the welcome. We need to get back to, to having the, the welcome be somebody who's not me. Y'all see enough of me. Well, happy 4th of July weekend. Did someone say amen when they said... When I said, y'all see enough of me, was that my wife? <laughs> she can't get enough of me. Don't let her fool you. You see where she's sitting right in front of me. Happy Independence Day weekend to you guys. I am so thankful that we are free to worship. Maybe we don't have all the freedoms we'd like to have in America. Maybe you've got some frustrations with America. Pray for your country. I'm praying for my country. But thank God we are free to do this right here. I want to say a special happy 4th of July to the newest American citizen in the place, Duncan Crook. It's his first 4th of July as an American citizen. He'd been in the country a long time, legally, 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 um, but this is his first 4th of July as an honest-to-goodness American citizen. I told him, don't drink any tea. That's a British thing. You let those, the former things are passed away, Duncan. All things that become new. Need to eat some apple pie, hot dog, hamburger. I don't know if any of those actually originated in America. Don't eat an English hot dog. I don't know. Vienna sausages are probably from America, not from Vienna. So that's pro you're probably good there. Well, I'm excited today, folks. I really am. If you're visiting with us for the very first time or you're relatively new to this gathering or, or if someone is listening to the podcast for the first time, this is a great day to do it. Because I'm going to be talking about the real heart of Recreate, who we are, and what we stand for. I've served a lot of churches through the years, folks. I've served, you know, in a staff capacity and in volunteer capacity, and I've visited and I've preached a lot of places. And all those churches have good things, absolutely wonderful things. But we've got something here that's unique. I don't know if we quite understand that as well as we should. I spent some time this past couple of weeks talking with some folks in ministry and I began to realize hold up hold up I like what y'all are doing but I love 
love, love, love what God has given us to do. And, and as far as I'm concerned, we got to double down on it. And I get to talk about something today that will give us that energy to double down on that calling, a peek into what God really has for us. You know, I think we've only, we've only seen like a little flash of what God wants to do with Recreate. A tiny little flash in the pan. That's all we've seen so far of what God wants to do. Today, we're going to get a glimpse of the glory of Jesus, a look behind the curtain, so to speak, about who Jesus really is. So in the old Wizard of Oz movie, when they looked behind the curtain, it was a disappointment. So if you, if you haven't seen that, I'm going to spoil it for you, but it has been 84 years since it came out. So you've had ample time, I assume, to see it. When they looked behind the curtain, the great and powerful Wizard of Oz was just some guy. Just some guy, some clever guy. The opposite is true with Jesus. From the outside, he looked like just some guy. He looked like any other man of his age living in the part of the world where he lived at the time. He was indistinguishable by his physical characteristics. But when you look behind the curtain and see who he really, really is, it will transform you. The truth about Jesus is transformational. Do you believe that? I mean, hey, if you're here today and you aren't sure what you believe or aren't sure what you think yet, hey, you're not on the hook. But if you say you are a follower of Jesus, do you really believe that he is transformative? That if we get to know Jesus, it will transform who we are down to the core? If we believe that, if we get a glimpse of that glory, we won't be able to hold it back. It's, here, here's kind of the, the heart of it today. I love it. I always try to give you some kind of memorable phrase, and here it is for this week. If you glimpse his glory, you'll tell his story. That's easy to remember, right? If you glimpse his story, you glimpse his glory, you'll tell his story. There you go. You will write that down. If you got a pen, some of you may have got a pen on the way in. You write that down. You write it up your arm. If you glimpse his glory, you'll tell his story. So yeah, life is tough sometimes. It really is. And we're going to run out of steam if we're trying to do things in our own power we're, we're going to run out of steam, and that happens. that's true with church as well. If we try to do what we're doing here with Recreative, we try to accomplish this in our own strength and our own power, we're going to run out. We really need to get some motivation um, because there's a lot of people in the world that desperately need a connection to a local community of believers but have gotten discouraged about that. Lots and lots and lots of people in this area know what it's like to feel discouraged about being involved with the church. People will say that they don't like organized religion. And I always hold myself back and say, would you rather have disorganized religion? Because I can show you some of that. That's, that's a lot easier. But the, the truth is, a lot of people get discouraged with church and with church people. And we have this special calling to be the church that's thinking of all those people. The church that's thinking of the people who have reasons to feel a little uneasy about church. God has given us that calling. And I heard from some people this week. I've been reaching out to some folks. And I, some of them said, you know what, Michael? I like your church. I think there's something special there. I always feel welcome there. This line about you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. We won't always get that right. But that is exactly what we're aiming for every single week. So if you want to join up with us, this is what we're about. Welcome, wanted, loved. So God has given us the calling to be the church that goes the extra mile for people to share his life, to share his love, 
and it's, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take sacrifice. We've got a lot more to do that we haven't done yet. I think we've only got a little tiny glimpse of what God wants to do. But if we get a glimpse of Jesus, what's the thing up here? If you glimpse his glory, you'll tell his story. Okay. So we're in Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. We've been in Mark for a while, and, and we'll be there for a little while. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And uh, the disciples are going to get a glimpse of his glory. They just don't know it yet. In verse 1, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. We'll stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, oh, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll speak into us right now. God, move us in the direction you want us to go. Give us a glimpse of the glory of Jesus that is so overwhelming that we cannot help but tell the story to anyone who comes near. In Jesus' name, amen. So what a verse. People who, the disciples were told uh, that there are some among them that would see the kingdom of God present with power. And they had a very specific idea of what the kingdom of God meant. They envisioned the Messiah, the Savior, coming and leading a revolution against the Romans who controlled everything at the time. That was their image of the Savior, saving them as a, as a military or political deliverer, and that he would set, his, set himself up as a literal king with a physical kingdom, and they would be his number one advisors and deputies and generals. And that sounded like glory to them. But Jesus had something very different in mind. The fulfillment of the promise didn't come with Jesus setting up a literal kingdom. It came about a week later, and that's where we go to verse 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. Several times in the Gospels, we see Jesus pulling aside these three guys to see something special, to witness something unusual. And the Scriptures continue and say, He was transfigured before them. In verse 3, his clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Jesus was transfigured. We don't use that word, but we know a similar word. It's the same, comes from the same root word as metamorphosis. You remember that from science class? Metamorphosis, how a caterpillar turns into a chrysalis and it turns into a butterfly. It becomes something more complex, something more beautiful. That's really what's happening here. Jesus was transfigured to become something more than they had ever seen before. Jesus began to beam with this white light. Man, I just, I can picture this. And uh, the disciples had never seen anything like it. And his clothes are like glowing white. You got to understand, in the ancient world, white fabric was almost impossible to produce. And it was even more impractical to maintain it being white. So you got like a white t-shirt. They didn't understand really what that level of whiteness was in clothing and fabric. And, and yet Jesus' clothing is glowing, bright white, more than all the bleach and all the Dollar Generals in all of Southwest Virginia could get it. And you know, there's one thing that sprouts up around here. It's Dollar Generals. And if Dollar General goes out of business, we'll just move a recreate in those places. How about that? That'll be a good space. We'll become the dollar general of, of the gospel. You know, whatever it takes, man, whatever it takes. You get a little glimpse of the glory, 
and we'll tell his story no matter what it takes. Okay, so they, they are seeing, that's what they're seeing, a glimpse of the glory. So don't miss this next part. This is really interesting. It is not truly as if Jesus became something different during this event. It is that they saw him as he really is. We know this from Revelation chapter 1 where we see Jesus and he appears to John, one of the same John who's in this story. Jesus appears to John and he has a very similar appearance, glowing, blazing white. As a matter of fact, if uh, this is dialed up to 10 in Revelation 1, it's dialed up to like 15. It's even more overwhelming and it's amazing. And they are seeing Jesus for who he is. The real miracle isn't that Jesus started shining. It's that his glory had been covered up the rest of the time. It had been as though it's behind a curtain. So imagine, imagine. Imagine you've lived your whole life in a dark room with one window. And over this window is a heavy curtain. And the only light you can see is the little glow around the edges of that curtain. About a year ago, I was working third shift, and I understand that glow around the edge of the curtain gets pretty bright, doesn't it, my third shift brethren? It gets pretty darn bright. So it feels like a lot of light in a very dark room. But behind that curtain is the full blazing glory of the sun. And if you were to draw back that curtain for a moment, it would dazzle your eyes. The sun was shining the whole time, but you can only really see it and appreciate it when the curtain is drawn back, even a little. See, that's us. That's us. That's our story. We, living here on planet Earth, we're in that dark room. This is a world that is full of spiritual darkness and the light of god is glowing like that little that little glowing edge around the heavy curtain we can see that little bit of light of god and in a very dark room it seems very bright but if we were to pull back that curtain just a little bit and see the true glory of god see who jesus really 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 is it would be so overwhelming and amazing that we we would not be able to think about anything else. It would change us forever. If you lived your life in a dark room and someone finally opened the shade, wouldn't you want to grab everybody and say, hey, y'all, come see this. Come be a part of this. Well, that's where we are spiritually. We live in a world that is so dark that if we ever can draw back the curtain just a little bit and see who Jesus is, really, it would change who we are and motivate us. And we would want more than anything else for our friends and family and loved ones to see what we have seen in this world. Every single person needs to get in touch with Jesus. That is the heart of who we are. That is the very center of our being. And if we get a glimpse of His glory, we'll tell His story. And if we aren't telling His story... We need to go back and get in touch with His glory. I've had to do that over the last couple weeks or months or maybe even a year. Just pray so hard. Lord, show me. Show me. Help me understand. And I feel like this week it clicked. Ain't it good when it clicks? I've been waiting for that click a long time. 
And it clicked this week that we've got so much work to do and it is so worth it so that people can get to know Jesus because that's who, that's who we are. It's what we're about. We don't want to just make a name for ourselves. We don't want to just build something. We want people to know Jesus. And all that other stuff is only the means to the end for people to know Jesus. Well, this story goes on here. Verse 4 tells us to get another little wrinkle in the story. As if it wasn't enough for Jesus to suddenly start glowing. Verse 4 says, And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Two of the greatest servants of God in history appeared. Elijah and Moses. Moses was the one to whom the Lord gave the Ten Commandments and the rest of the law. Elijah was the most famous of all the prophets, known for his miracles. And you're going to say, what are they doing there? Ain't them fellas dead? Well, Moses died. Elijah didn't. He went up to heaven in a whirlwind. But they were both in the afterlife. And the Lord, in a miracle, brought them back to have a little conversation with Jesus. Pretty amazing. That's one of the only times, the only other time I know in the whole Bible where the Lord brought someone back from the afterlife to have a conversation was with Saul and Samuel, and that was a very different situation. So how did Peter, James, and John know it was Moses and Elijah? How did they know? Did they have name tags? I'm thinking not. Did they have like t-shirts saying, hey, I came back from heaven and all I brought was this t-shirt? I, uh did they, I don't know. Um, from the scriptures, we do have a physical description of Elijah, the prophet. They said he dressed in animal skins like with a leather belt. He looked like a caveman. Cool guy. I already like him. He could probably a Shockley. Now, Moses, I don't think we really have a physical description of Moses in the Bible. And as the uh, magnificent animated feature Prince of Egypt would not come out for another 1,968 years. They didn't know what Moses looked like. So I'm thinking that either Jesus made an introduction or they understood from the conversation that he was talking to Moses and Elijah because they were close enough to hear this conversation. And that's the thing that I guess I had missed as I read through this for years. I kind of thought that, that Jesus was sort of over there having this you know, whispered conversation and they were back here just flipping out. But it seems that they were pretty close. There's no indication from the Scripture itself that they were far, far away so they could hear the conversation. And boy, how incredible would that be to listen to Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah. Wow. What was that conversation? Mark does not tell us in his telling of the story. But Luke tells us the same story, and he explains that Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus about what was about to happen, about his betrayal and arrest and murder and death and being buried and rising again on the third day. That's what they were talking about. Absolutely amazing stuff, but the disciples didn't really understand what they were hearing and peter proves that in verse five you know how some people when they get nervous or scared they talk like a lot anybody fess up to being that person sometimes i do that yeah peter must have been that guy 
Good old Peter, he wasn't about to let a little thing like not knowing what he was talking about stop him from saying something. I do know a lot more people like that who are glad to say something when they don't know what they're talking about. Let's see what he did say, though. He, he interrupts the conversation that Jesus is having with Moses and Elijah. So, you know, thumbs up for boldness, guy. Here he says, uh, verse 5, Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Let's build some tabernacles. What's a tabernacle? A tabernacle can mean a place of worship. The tent in the Old Testament where they had the, the Ark of the Covenant, that was a tabernacle. They called it a tabernacle. But a tabernacle can also be just about any sort of temporary shelter. In the, the Feast of Tabernacles, they would build little shelters out of sticks, like a lean-to, like you did in the woods when you were a kid. If you had an awesome, awesome childhood like me, we got to build a lot of lean-tos in the woods. So Peter is probably suggesting here, let's build some shelters. Let's build some little huts so we can hang out here a long time. Let's build one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And probably what he had in mind was that they would um, be able to like, hey, let's go over here to, to Moses' place for a while and learn from him. Let's go over here to Elijah's place and learn from him. Let's go back over here to Jesus' place and learn from him. He said, it's good for us to be here. Let's stay here for a good while. Let's build some shelters. Sounds really cool, except for a big old problem. Peter must have thought he was honoring Jesus by putting him on the same level as Moses and Elijah. And to be fair, virtually all of the faithful Jews who were looking for the Messiah expected him to be someone like Moses or Elijah. That's all they could conceive of. They didn't know anything more was possible. But boy, were they wrong. Imagine being so mistaken that God himself shows up to tell you you got it wrong and that does happen in verse 7 verse 7 a cloud came and overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying this is my beloved son hear him i don't know if i have verse 8 in there suddenly when they had looked around they saw no one anymore but only jesus with themselves so the presence of god appeared like a shining cloud that's very consistent with the old testament if you read the old testament the wandering in the wilderness there was this glowing cloud that led the people by day and uh, the presence of god was represented by that cloud now god is not a cloud and he is not an old man in the sky with a long white beard god is not something that we can put in a box he's not something that we can contain that way but he showed his presence by this glowing cloud and what did god say out of this glowing cloud this is my beloved son hear him peter seemingly wanted to hear jesus but also moses and elijah maybe this idea of like rotating through it's like hey we're going to do coffee with jesus in the morning we're going to do brunch with moses and we'll do supper over at elijah's place and we're going to learn all that we can but God speaks up and sets him straight that Jesus is the one that he needed to hear. Jesus is in a category all of his own. Moses, cool guy. Elijah, miracle worker. You'll never run anything out of anything to eat around Elijah because he can multiply the food he did in the Old Testament. However, if you have a 13-year-old son named Elijah, you will run out of food. 
Can confirm. Absolutely can. These are cool guys, but they're not on the level with Jesus. They're not there. Jesus is by Himself. And with respect to what other people believe, folks can believe anything they want to believe, there are no other teachers or leaders on the level with Jesus. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Confucius, not any of those guys are on the level with Jesus. Jesus is all by Himself. Hear Him. He is the beloved Son of God. I had a conversation with a very good friend of mine a while back. Smart guy. Really smart guy. He studied pretty much all the religions that are out there. And, and he's tended to favor some of the Eastern religions. You know, the, some Buddhism, Hinduism. And he was telling me some things about them. So, hey, they have this principle here about treating people right and, and showing people kindness. And I'm like, hey, that sounds real familiar. I'm familiar with these principles. All of these things are in the gospels and the teaching of jesus and and he agreed you know we went back and forth a lot and he agreed so you know all the good things that i find there they're in jesus and they're honestly in a in a purer form it's not like hey here's a little nugget of truth here's a little nugget of truth no it's like jesus has all of the truth and it's good and clean and pure okay when i was growing up my favorite cereal was cheerios any other Cheerios kids around here? Cheerios kids. I love Cheerios. Still love Honey Nut Cheerios. I've graduated on from the normal Cheerios. I'm not sure if they existed when I was a kid. They probably did. I don't know. We didn't. We just got normal Cheerios. We, Mom probably didn't want us all hopped up on sugar. Good idea. Love Cheerios. If you have a kid, kids love Cheerios. You give a kid Cheerios and they'll like go all around the house spilling them everywhere. Say you wanted a Cheerio very badly. It's like, hey, I'm hungry. I want some Cheerios. And you live in a house with children. You could probably lift your couch cushion and find a Cheerio. You'll, you'll probably find a Cheerio, and it will be covered in lint and hair and whatever else. I don't know how things get under couch cushions the way they do when you have small children in the house. You could absolutely find you a Cheerio under the couch cushion. And you could eat that Cheerio, and it would be, indeed, a Cheerio. Got a lot of other stuff stuck to it. Still a Cheerio. Or, suppose you wanted Cheerio, and the Cheerio factory was next door to your house, and you happened to know the owner of the Cheerio factory, and they would let you walk in, and you could have all the Cheerios you wanted right out of the Cheerio-making thing, machine, right out of the Cheerio machine. You could have all the Cheerios you wanted, do you want the couch cushion lint covered dog hair encrusted Cheerio? Or do you want the fresh good stuff right out of the Cheerio making shoot thingy that fills the bags? Just lay back there and open your mouth and they'll shoot it right in. Which one? Crusty Cheerio? The good stuff. Okay. So again, with respect to what other people think and believe and believe what you want. It is true that some other teachers and some other religions have some little bits of the truth out there. But there's a lot of stuff stuck to that. Why would you take this spiritual truth from some other source when it's got a lot of things stuck to it that aren't so good when you could just go to Jesus 
And he'll fill you right up with the good stuff. All the good stuff is there. Why would you miss it? As well-meaning as Peter and James and John probably were, and I figure that James and John were nodding their head when Peter said, hey, let's build some tabernacles. As well-meaning as they were, they missed the truth. And the truth was right in front of them. The embodiment of the truth in Jesus Jesus is the one and only Son of God. We don't need to look for spiritual truth elsewhere. You'll find little bits here and there. But why would you go looking under the couch cushion for a little bit of something good when Jesus has it all? So when the cloud of God's presence left, the three disciples looked around and Moses and Elijah were gone. It was only Jesus. Only Jesus remained. So Moses, the representative of the law, disappeared. Elijah, the representative of all the prophets, faded away. And at the end of it all, who was there? Jesus was there. Look, folks, I don't know what you're searching for or what you feel like you're searching for, but I'll tell you what we're all ultimately searching for, even though we don't know it. We're looking for the life and the hope and the peace that can be found in Jesus. And we'll find little bits here and little bits there in other places, and it'll be nice for a while, but ultimately, what every human being needs is Jesus. And if we get a little glimpse of that glory, of the, who Jesus is, how can we help but tell His story? You won't find what you're looking for in success or possessions or relationships or even in religion. It's only in Jesus. Peter, James, and John, they didn't quite get it yet. And if you read on in the passage, they, they show that and they go on talking about the kingdom some more. Um, they assumed that Jesus would come to conquer the Romans. But soon enough, they would understand that the greatest act of Jesus was coming to conquer sin and death. They had those bad assumptions though, that had to be fixed. We, we can have some bad assumptions too about Jesus. Some... Um, we can assume that if we'll just become a believer, it's supposed to fix all our problems. And maybe you'll find some people who will tell you that if you just come to Jesus, you'll never have any more problems. That has not been my experience. And of course, the big one people say, if God is so good, why doesn't he stop all the bad things from happening? They want God to enforce their vision of morality on the world while exempting themselves, usually. Even churches can get very mistaken about what we are, who we are, and why we exist. I've been doing this church thing for a long, long time, y'all. You know what I've seen? It's very easy for churches to get a mistaken idea of what we're about. Churches can often measure their success by the three B's. You know what the three B's are? Buildings, bucks, and butts in the pew. The three B's. We don't have pews. We have the most comfortablest i know that's bad english but i'm doing it anyway the most comfortablest church seating in the place in the whole town right here buildings bucks and butts in the pew you know what those are good things those aren't bad things but that is not what we're about that's not our mission our mission is clear recreate church is a community of life and love with the mission of leading people into a growing relationship with jesus Leading people to Jesus. Our mission is people plus Jesus. People plus Jesus. Easy, easy, easy math. People plus Jesus equals two thumbs up. Good job. Mission accomplished. People plus Jesus. That's what we do. 
People plus Jesus. That's our mission. Our desire is to get a little peek behind the curtain and see who Jesus is and then pull back the curtain for other people. If we've glimpsed his glory, we can't help but tell his story. Now, right now, we, we, we have this mission, but we need to pray down some barriers. We need the Lord to do some things for us, to provide. There's a lot of amazing things God has prepared for us to do that it's going to be difficult to really do in our current location where we are right now love a lot of things about this building but we need like six times more space for the kids okay we need more room for worship too because there's a lot more people god's going to send our way and hey i like sitting close to people sometimes but uh, we need a little more room if we're going to have a lot more people we're going to double the amount of people in this room uh we're going to have to have some more room okay god will provide it so look that's true all that's true but is our mission a building no what did i just say our mission is people plus jesus that's our mission people that's what the kingdom of god is made out of souls not just butts in a seat but real human beings with hopes and dreams and hurts and struggles people who need the life and hope and peace that can be found in jesus and if we throw ourselves into reaching and impacting people for the gospel i think a lot of other stuff will take care of itself we'll get it figured out the lord will look down here and say doggone i'm going to do something about that they're they're filling the place up they're making so much of a difference you know god will provide if our focus is in the right place one of my favorite verses in the whole bible is matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So Recreate Church, God is doing something special with you. Special. And you can't find this just anywhere. And we've only like seen the little edge, the little corner of what God wants to do with us. So I'm calling on you to pray. Look, we do need a more suitable facility. But I'm not asking you to just pray, God, give us a building. Pray that we will reach people. Because building won't matter if we're not reaching people. Our calling will require resources, funding. But I'm not asking you, Lord, give us funding. Pray that we will reach people. We want to have lots of people. We want to have lots of folks to fill up our space in the next space in the next space but don't just pray for a full house a rock concert can get a full house a ball game can get a full house nothing wrong with those things but we're not doing those things here pray that we will impact people that we will make disciples peter james and john got a glimpse of the glory and they didn't understand it right then but they understood it later and they got on fire for God and they started sharing the good news of Jesus all around the world. And they even, James here was the first one to lay down his life, the first of the 12 to lay down his life. He's, the, he's a really quiet guy in the scriptures. We see him almost saying nothing, but his actions spoke loudly. He got such a glimpse of the glory of Jesus that he was so invested in telling his, the story of Jesus that he didn't care if it cost him his life. It was worth it. It was worth it. Look, if we really get a glimpse of Jesus and what he desires for our church, we won't be able to help but go all in. If you glimpse his glory, you'll tell his story.
Yeah. I want you to imagine this. Imagine thousands of people wandering around in the darkness. Thousands. Tens of thousands. Wandering in the darkness. You, in your hand, you have a small lantern. Doesn't seem like much. One small lantern. It's all you've got. One little candle inside it. But then you find someone else with a little small lantern. And you guys come together and it glows a little brighter. And you find a few more people and you light their lanterns too. And soon you've got a lot of people with their lanterns glowing. And the darkness is broken. And the light comes. The blazing light overcomes the darkness because darkness is just a place where there's not light. That's you, Recreate. That's you, you're the light in the darkness. It's time to double down in impacting our community for Christ. Do you know what happens October 22nd of this year? We turn six years old as a congregation. Six years old. That's amazing. First grade. We're going into first grade this fall. I pray for such an excitement and the power of the Holy Spirit to break out in us that it cannot be contained. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Whether, whether you've been here since October 22nd, 2017 or before, or, or whether you just got here as quick as you could, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Lord, help us to get such a glimpse of the glory of Jesus that we cannot help but tell his story. There's so much more for us to do. I don't think we have seen a tiny fraction of it yet. Light a fire in us, Lord. Make us so uncomfortable when we are not pursuing our calling. Lord, thank you for what you've awakened in my heart, and I pray that more and more hearts will be awakened because there's so many people out there who need you. And we are willing, Lord to be your light on the hill. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I cannot wait to see what all God does. But uh, let's pray that by the time October 22nd rolls around, mm, 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 there's some things going to be set in motion that are so amazing. God has the power, but we have the choice whether to participate in it or not, man. And I'm all in. I'm all in. Come on, jump in with me. The water is fine, folks. It's good stuff. Praise God. Thank you for being here today. I'm going to let you go with that. Hope you have a wonderful, blessed 4th of July. Hope you get to spend some time with people that you love and care about. And I hope you get to like put a hot dog on a stick and cook it over a fire. That's what I'm going to do. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful holiday weekend. We'll see you next time.